Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 51 of the Masterclass. My name is Cam, and I am sitting across the table from my good, good friend, Mr. David Eugene Hogue. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. How are you? Good. I just realized I actually don't know your middle name, and that's okay. You don't have to tell everybody, but that makes me feel like a bad friend. My middle name is John. I knew that. Now that you one of the, as soon as you say it, all of a sudden that knowledge comes back. Yes, that's a very strong name. Sure. Okay, you don't have to believe me. That's fine. But anyways, we are here. It is uh, we're recording on a Monday night this week. The show is still going to get released on a Wednesday. Uh, but we are here. We are excited. It's episode fifty-one. We are now in the golden years. Right? Yes. Is that how that works? I don't know. Beyond 50, yeah, probably. I'm not, I'm not putting a cap on this, Dave. For no, all, I was going to say, For all yeah. we know, we could still be in our infancy. Absolutely. But I hope so. We are excited to be here, and we have a very interesting uh, parable to talk about mm-hmm. later on in the show. But before we get to that, Dave, we have some follow-up, because guess what I did last week? You forgot. Uh, yeah. And, and of all people, uh, it was my sister, Rachel, that is the question <laughs> that I forgot. So for those of you that think that I was just trying to spite my little sister, that is not the case. I genuinely could not find the question. And then I found it while I was editing last week's episode, at which point it was, of course, too late. late. So uh, my dear sister Rachel wrote this question that we were supposed to talk about last episode, and it says this. uh, What role does or should the mind play in the church today? And I think this is a wonderful question. We've talked about it before, Mm -hmm. but I think that perhaps a refresh on our views here would be uh, a good thing to do. So, Dave, I know you have strong feelings about this. Lay them (laughs) on me. Uh, Yeah, you know, I I guess, um, one, I think it's uh, it was part of God's design from the very, very beginning. Um, I don't think it... uh, I don't think it's a result of the fall in the Garden of Eden. I think he had intended um, for us to use our minds and to um, take full advantage um, of this world. And so, um, and this this is maybe a little bit of a tangent to the the question, but you know, I, I think there's a reason why there are large pockets of iron ore in the earth and things like. Um, crude oil and, you know, um, things that we can, you know, we have these vast forests that we can build things from. I think God gave us these resources because he wanted us uh, to use our mind. I think, you know, he created electricity. He wanted that to be discovered and to be applied. There are laws of physics that he wants us to discover. Um, You know, it's, this would be the one thing that makes me think maybe the end is not near is we have this huge universe to potentially explore still that I don't know. I, I guess personally, I just have this hunch that nothing's going to happen anytime soon until we start exploring the corners of, of the, uh, the galaxy. So, well, there are people that are trying to do that. Yes. SpaceX wants to colonize Mars. Yes. So, And I, and I, I do, I think, I think, um, you know, we haven't explored the oceans. They're just, there, there are a lot of different things that, um, I just, I, I think God was intentional in that in the, and, uh, it brings glory to him and who he is and just how 
um, expansive He is. We, we serve an infinite God, and so when you think about the world uh, that we live on, the depths of the oceans that we've never even been to, nor do we have the ability to go to. Yeah, that water gets pretty heavy pretty quick. <laughs> uh, and then I think, you know, I think the this more specific to the... Um, to the question and how it relates to the church today is, I think this is this is one of the reasons why um, we're, we're dealing with relativism, and I think it's one of the reasons why uh, pluralism, a couple of isms there, um, is 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 because people don't know what they sh- well. Let's see, how should we say it? they don't know they don't have this foundational knowledge. That was really commonplace for very uh, a long time, um, long time uh, in this country, other places. Um, in terms of uh, you know the Bible was used to to learn how to read and um, create a a foundation for knowledge. So um, I don't know. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna quit rambling and and let you have uh, input on this now. Well. I, I I agree, um, but I have some other thoughts. So she put, what role does or should? And I think that's a very good distinction to make because what is current is not necessarily what should be. Um, I think in general, the mind has, or the intellect, or this pursuit of knowledge, like, uh, head knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. And in the church, we like to separate head knowledge from heart knowledge, right? right. And, and a lot of churches will focus on one or the other and not necessarily both. And the places that focus on heart knowledge um, tend to be a bit emotionally manipulative. They take advantage of the emotion you feel in a worship setting or in a high, chari- highly charismatic uh, sermon to alter life change based on emotion. And there's other places that are just all head knowledge and it's all about facts and sword drills and Bible quizzes and, and who (laughs) knows and who knows scripture better than the other person. Um, and, and that sort of stuff. And I think, and this is kind of my view on, on the life that Jesus calls us to live is that in, in almost every extreme Christ is calling us to the middle to the area of tension in between the two extreme camps Uh, because it is so much easier to live on an extreme end of, of a spectrum because there are, there are strict rules. There are guidelines. There is t-shirts for the club that you're in or bumper stickers or whatever it is, whether it's you're on the end of the spectrum that thinks gay people are all going to burn in hell because God hates them, or on the other end of the spectrum that says, hey, do whatever you want, Jesus loves everybody, or don't even include Jesus and just, that's the way you were born and it's Mm -hmm. fine. And there's so much room in the middle of every spectrum, especially when it comes to Christianity versus other world religions and ethics and morals and politics and sexuality and family and what marriage means and all of this stuff that I think if you use your mind and your heart to filter life through the scripture, you're going to realize that Christ is calling us into the middle of all of that tension Mm -hmm. because it's not as simple as we want to make it. 
Right. Life is not. Life is not a set of extreme camps. Life is in the middle of dealing with all of these things. Mm-hmm. You throw on top of that the stuff that you talked about, this whole idea of we don't even know what the bottom of some of our oceans look like, let alone what planets and moons and stars and other galaxies in the universe are like. And you can quickly begin to feel small and unimportant, which I think is God's total point. But I think that a lot of times people take that as a, a an excuse to not think. And that may seem harsh, and I'd like to clarify. Um, I personally find the sheer magnitude of existing space to be so ridiculous that I find it hard. I find it harder to believe that it all became came by mistake or chance than that it was all planned. Yeah. And some people may call me stupid and say that I'm using an intellectual crutch to handle the fact that it doesn't make sense to me. Um, But that same argument can be applied to those people that their crutch is that God doesn't exist. Whereas mine is that he does exist. Um, So I think that the mind plays a role in the church today. I would love to see it amplified much more so. I the the days of uh scholar pastors is long gone. Mm, yeah. Um th- oftentimes now and 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 this is this is where I begin to relate our show to all of the Apple tech shows that I listen to, where they all bash <laughs> Apple. They're not bashing Apple because they hate Apple. They're bashing Apple because they care about the company and the products, and they see the products or, or certain aspects of them declining, so they talk about it, and it comes across as negative. So what I'm about to say is not bashing the church because I hate the church. It is my attempt to call out weaknesses in something that I love in the hopes that we can strengthen it. So I think I've framed it now. Uh, it is, it is far too easy nowadays to get ordained, to get oh, your yeah. master's degree, to become a pastor without the, what I believe is the necessary rigorous academic and scholarly training. That mm-hmm. needs to go along certainly with the spiritual development and spiritual formation of the person. Um, but I got to be honest, my master's degree was not difficult. Yeah. It really wasn't. I mean, I hated it at the time because I didn't feel like it was the right program for me, but I wasn't going to quit halfway through. But I got to do the whole second year online because I got married and they were like, sure, go move a state away. That's fine. <laughs> And I'm grateful for it because I got a master's degree out of it. Right. But the level of like, – half of my classes were with undergrad students, and I just wrote an extra paper or read an extra book. Any of them could have done that. Mm-hmm. just, And probably some of them would have done it better than I did. Yeah. Uh, so I just – my personal – and I realize I've been talking for like five minutes here. Um, but my, my personal opinion is that the level of – scholarly rigor that is required to lead in a ministry setting is far lower than it should be. 
I think I think if we're gonna if we're gonna consider these folks professional professional leaders in the most important area of our life, they should be more educated than doctors and lawyers and whatever other highly professional or highly academic uh, profession there is. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think I think we need to raise the bar dramatically because long gone are the days of Jonathan Edwards and all of the early uh, English pastors and John Calvin and Martin Luther and St. Thomas Aquinas and all of these fathers of the faith that were just crazy intelligent and well-studied and Baxter and and all these other guys that I'm totally forgetting right now. (laughs) But you compare their writings with some of the fluff that's coming out of now and it, it it just kind of disappoints. Yes, very much. Um, One of the ones that we have mentioned here before that's a contemporary that we obviously think is worth reading is Dallas Willard. Read everything he wrote. And um, his last book, I think it's his last book, The Lure of Gentleness, interestingly enough, is about apologetics amongst Christians, which I, I, you know, reading the the title, Lure of Gentleness, you would have never guessed. That's why he's so good. Exactly. And this book came out, it was the book he was working on when he died. Yeah, and I think I can't remember who he was working on it with, but yeah, it, it came from a series of sermons, and um, I don't think he totally did everything, but um, I don't. I, I want to say for some reason it was his daughter, but I'm I don't know that for sure. I'm not sure. Um, but it is it is worth looking at because it um, it really gets to a, what apologetics is is all about, and it it even kind of goes. You know, he goes to the point where, uh, you know, if you're trying to use apologetics to convert somebody to Christianity, uh, yeah, just stop. Quit doing that. Uh, you're not going to convince anybody through your apologetics to lead them to Christ. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. But then he goes on to to sort of say that, but within the church, we need to know why we believe what we believe. And so, you know, um, in fact, one of the things that we talked about last light, last week was... Uh, the presence of evil in the world. And that's one of the things that, you know, he kind of goes through. And the argument that he makes and the logic he uses, if you're not a Christian, it's not going to make you go, oh, yes, that's, <laughs> I see that. But if you are a Christian and you wrestle with the issue of how can a good God allow evil in the world, uh, he definitely gives a good, uh, solid answer uh, for that. And I had a quote here from the book. I don't know if I can find it real quick, but... Um. Yeah, it it I it is it is very much uh, geared towards this topic. Uh, the quote says, "The intellect is good. Our natural ability of perception are good, and they are not opposed to faith." Please hear me. Our natural abilities are not opposed to faith. Yes, we live by faith and not by sight. But try not using your sight at all and see how that works. When Jesus walked this earth, he used all of his human powers, all of them, and we are called to devote all of our human powers to God in order that we might live under him as he intended. And again, right there, what he's talking about is our intellect. And so it, it, I, it is probably, to me, it is probably the thing um, in Christianity today, in the church today, that needs to be... Um, brought to the forefront more than just about 
anything else. I and I, and I truly do believe that because I think if you if we sharpen the intellect, uh, discipleship comes into focus and evangelism comes into focus, and it's just well, and, and cultural con- contextuality well, comes into focus yes. in in being honest about where the church can embrace culture and where the church needs to oppose culture and how to do that in a way that is honoring to Christ and not just, you know, either either just giving into culture because we can't change it or being so radical that we can't even talk to our culture about it. Yeah. And that requires some guile and some intellectual, you know, work. Yeah. Well, and, and interestingly, that's even a topic that he hits in this book is culture. And he, he kind of, he makes the point of, you know, just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean that that's the way it has to be. What What is going on is people are recording what occurred. And so, because, uh, um, who's the guy in the Old Testament that keeps some of the spoils of the war together and he hides them underneath oh. his tent? Anyway, as yeah. a result of that, they go out battle the next time and they lose God's favor. And as a result, his entire family gets stoned to death. Not just him, his entire family. And um, I apologize for not knowing where this is, but um, we'll find it and put it in the show notes. around Jericho, right? I I think so, but I I honestly don't know. But what the thing that's interesting that Dallas Willard says is that's in there because that's what happened. It's not in there because God wants us to stone the entire family when somebody does something wrong. And so I thought that was very um, interesting because we do that a lot, um, even in the New Testament of, you know, we try to apply um, situations to like blanket statements. Mm-hmm. And then we, and then we just and then we focus on we we make major issues out of things that probably aren't supposed to be made major issues, and then we completely ignore. Um, you know, other things. So um, this just brings me back to the point where I just ask God, why did you leave us in charge? <laughs> How did you think this was going to go? <laughs> you know, and I can't, I can't remember exactly what it says, but I think that's even a part of the book in there too, as well. So yeah. Allure of Gentleness by yeah. Dallas Willard. We'll, well have that in the show notes. Uh, taking a look at. A couple other quick books we don't have to talk about, but things that, that would be up your alley if this is um, something that you're interested in. There's a book called Your Mind Matters, and I, for the life of me, cannot remember who wrote it, but it'll be in the show notes. It's real short. It's probably, it's like one of those uh, f- uh, three by five like index uh-huh. card style books, and it's like 80 pages thick. So I mean, you can sit down and read it in 30 minutes. Yeah. But it's worth everything. And then also um, another book by a guy that we really haven't talked a whole lot about. His name is Alvin Plantinga. He's a world-class philosopher that also happens to be an outspoken Christian. And he has a book called Where the Conflict Really Lies, which I believe I mentioned before. But it's uh, it, it covers um, Christ- or Christianity, um, more broadly theistic religion, um, and science, and secular humanism and the whole idea is that we have this context or this this cultural idea that that secular humanism and science go hand in hand in every way and that science and christianity or theistic revolu- uh, theistic religion 
bash each other all the time. And his whole premise of the book is that's actually opposite. That if you actually understand what science is showing us and teaching us, that secular humanism has a huge problem Mm -hmm. with the proofs of science that we have through our, you know, uh, empirical studies. And actually, if you understand theistic religion, in particular Christianity, it makes a ton of sense based on what the empirical evidence shows us in our universe. So, uh, would definitely recommend that. And then also, um, uh, Jerome a while ago mentioned that website Biologos, which is, Totally. I mean, it's science focused, but it is very much a thinking person's um, website. So we will have links to all that stuff um, in our in the show notes, um, so you can check it out. If you have other links um, to books or blogs or magazine articles or other podcasts or sermons that um, talk about this idea of intellectual. work being done in the church and why Christianity should be a thinking faith. And we're not called to be dumb. We're called to question. We are called to seek out answers. We are called to do the work to understand why we believe what we believe so that we can give a response when someone has a question. Let us know because we obviously love Dallas Willard and a few other guys and ladies, but I'm sure that you've got something that that we don't know about that we could share with our listeners. So if that's the case, go ahead and let us know either on Twitter where you can find us at masterclass FM, or you can email us, uh, which is masterclass FM at gmail.com. Right, Dave? That is correct. I always feel like I'm going to screw that one up. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so let us know. Uh, if you have uh, stuff that you want to share with other listeners, because uh, that's a great way for us to help each other out and steer each other towards quality, helpful resources. So, Dave, yes. Before we jump into today's topic, I wanted to mention one more thing, uh, and that is that I can now officially say on the internet that I'm quitting the bank. <laughs> Good for you. Dave's known about this for a whole week, but I couldn't say anything last episode because I had not yet officially given my two weeks of resignation notice. Um, So the reason that I mention this is is, uh, partially so that you all can say, yay, congratulations. But more importantly, and far less pridefully, is that even as recent as episode 48, I believe, we were discussing this whole idea of not being satisfied at work, feeling like wasting time, feeling like I should be doing something different and, and kind of rehashing some of the stuff that I felt for the last two years since I stopped working, uh, as a youth pastor. And, um, all, all I can say about that is it really is totally up to God. And I say that because this, this new job that I'm starting um, which is going to be in web design, which is just totally up my alley and just excites me to no end and lets me be nerdy and figure things out, which is just what I love. But th- this position that I'm taking, I did not even know was a thing up until a month ago. I had no idea. And when I found out about it, I thought there's no way – I could get the job. I don't have the experience. I don't have the portfolio. 
that you would need. And, and my wife, being the wise person that she is, said, just ask. Why not? The worst. <laughs> and and it's, it's my friend's company. Um, and I just assumed he'd be looking for somebody that was way more experienced than me. And she was like, why would you not ask? This is a great opportunity. You know him. He knows you. All he can say is, I'm actually looking for someone that's like a rock star, in which case I would not be considered. And so I asked, and we had a few conversations, and did I did two side projects, and it turned out to be a really good fit. Like we already liked each other, so that wasn't <laughs> a problem. But it was it was a can we work together? And does he have the time and the patience to, t- to train me? Right. Um, and over the course of what was supposed to be a long sort of apprenticeship, after uh, about two weeks, maybe a little longer, he asked me when I was quitting the bank, which was his way of saying, all right, let's go. And I still don't really think it's real. I, I'm still waiting for him to be like, ah, just kidding. I hope you didn't quit your real job, <laughs> which I know is not going to happen, but it's just, it has happened so quickly and has happened so unexpectedly. Um, nothing. I mean, nothing about it is like, Oh, the anniversary of this, like I've done my, like it has just come so, so far from left field and happened so quickly that my only response to all of this is, for whatever reason that I don't understand, God has said, okay, you're done at the bank. Like your time, your time is done. It's time to move on. And I don't know why there's nothing magical about working at the bank for 18 and a half months or however, like there's, there's nothing about this that makes sense other than God was just like, all right, it's time. And that excites me and infuriates me equal levels and I don't quite know how to handle that <laughs> feeling because this whole you know the whole time I've been trying to figure out what I can do what can I do to fix the problem what can I do to feel better about going to work at the morning what can I do to provide for my family and it's been a real struggle with how can I rely on God versus how can I dig myself out of this you know um hole as as you know I'm referring to it um and I just think God, in his, in his wisdom and in his omnipotence, gave me an opportunity that in no way I could have orchestrated myself. And it feels weird. Mm-hmm. Because I've been struggling for two years to try and figure something out. And then he just, out of nowhere, just, and it's fixed. And like, like I said, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful and incredibly excited, but at the same time, I'm just like, what took you so long? And I don't know how I should feel about that. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm having this very public venting session right now, <laughs> but, but I'm hoping that, that Dave might be able to turn this into something that's a little more applicable to everybody and not just so focused on, on my current situation, because I have a hunch that I'm not the only person that has gone through something like this. In fact, I, part of me hopes I am because it would save other people from <laughs> the, the drama, but I know that I'm not. Yeah. 
So do you do you have any way of, of salvaging what I just said into well, something a little more applicable? I don't think it needs to be salvaged. Uh, you know, it's just um I I think in in many, many you have just summed up what, what Christianity is about, really. It's it's our dependence on him and waiting on him and trusting him and it's his timetable and not our timetable and um I, 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 you know, if, well, yeah, I, I, that's really, <laughs> I think where I'm going to, I'm just going to say, I, I think in, in a lot of ways you really kind of summed up what our, our faith is all about. It's being in a relationship with him and trusting him and there's not a whole lot we can do, but the, but, but at the same time, you know, I guess what's coming to my mind is, you know, um, is Abraham and Sarah and the the promise that God made to them and the choice that they made. Um, well, the choice that, yeah, I guess they, she was involved with it too. She gave permission for him to have a kid with. So <laughs> awkward. Oh my gosh. Everything about that makes my skin crawl. You know, and, and so we're still reper- the, the repercussions of that are still existing today. Yep. And they will until Jesus comes back. Exactly. And so, um, I think if anything, it would be wait upon the Lord because when you take it into your own hands, <laughs> you just messed up. And I am yeah. certainly guilty of he that. He still turns it for good, but you're making him work way harder than he needs. You to. know, what? and that's that's true. That is true. Yeah, there's certainly. Yeah, God is not above doing. I wonder that how well. many times He just goes, "Oh, they did what? Okay, let's regroup. Let's. How are we going to fix this?" <laughs> well, the first time He sent a flood and said, "I'm starting over." <laughs> and then He's like, "Okay, maybe I shouldn't no, I do that a every bit time." Heavy-handed, maybe we can. We can, there's other ways around this. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that brings us to our main topic for the day. Um, yeah. So, oh, but before before we do that, um, if you if you are interested, shameless self plug in in where I'll be working and what we do, you can go to uh, sawmilldesign.com, and I'll have a link in the show notes, and you can see all of the very beautiful custom web applications we build. And by we, I mean Joel. I I'll be doing <laughs> I'll be doing grunt work for a long time, which is okay because I have to learn. But the the dude's prolific, so. If you are so kind, check that out. But enough about all that. Dave, would you please read some Bible to me and our dear listeners? Absolutely. So we have one verse tonight. It's Matthew thirteen forty four. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. All right. So short, but I think there's a lot here. There is a lot there. Um, my first question mm-hmm. is, would you consider it devious? You find this secret hidden treasure on some field, and then you go and kind of secretly buy it? No. Why not? Um, this was, this, again, it goes back to the discussions we've had earlier of the, the culture and uh, his audience that he was initially speaking to, understanding this of, it was this was kind of commonplace. There weren't banks around. Uh, it wasn't unusual for people to um, hide their treasure, bury their treasure, 
uh, things that were important to them, things that had value, and um, for it to get forgotten about over time. And it really is one of those situations where if somebody owns the land, then it's theirs. Um, if the person who had buried it there was still the owner of the land, they would have known that. So there's there's yeah, kind they of would an, have, they would have taken the treasure out before they sold it. Yeah. Okay. So I hadn't thought about that possibility. So this is this is a fairly like like people can get this. They're like, okay, yeah, that's you know uh, that was their bank. That is how things that were valuable were protected was to be buried in a field for a rainy day. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's fair. I hadn't really thought about that. Yep. But all right, so. What about treasure hidden in a field? Let me try that again. What about treasure that is hidden in a field is comparable to the kingdom of heaven? What is, what's that connection? Because that's the whole point of the parable. Um, well, I think there's, 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 again, I don't want to get caught up in the minutiae, but there's this, this element of um, if you find something hidden in the ground of value, uh, you just are absolutely um, elated and overjoyed uh, with this. And we'll, we'll put a link to um, this on our, our, our uh, webpage, uh, the show notes. Um, but if you go to saddleridgehoard.com, uh, there's this couple that lives in California that literally found $10 million worth of gold coins Buried, and so even as I just say that ten million dollars buried in property that they own, they dug it up. They'd walked this path, I guess, for years and had never noticed it. And on this one day, they noticed the can, and they dig it up and they take it home. And um, just that elation of um, you know finding something of value where you don't expect it. I think it's one of the reasons, like. Uh, antique roadshow is so exciting or even things like uh is it pawn stars is that the mm -hmm. tv show you know there's just that one and there's hardcore pawn very you know i've never ever watched that one, one of them's <laughs> in detroit but they both have very the hardcore you know, ones in detroit illicit puns in their titles oh yeah i guess i hadn't really thought about that yeah real clever guys uh and so um yeah so there's this this idea of um, an unexpectedness to it. And that was certainly the case um, amongst the Jews in, in Jesus' day. Uh, again, it's not how they were expecting it to be done. Uh, they were expecting Jesus to be um, on throne and, and literally have a, a political kingdom here on earth as the Messiah. So that's, that's the first piece of that, I think, that exists. It's just an unexpected treasure where... We can all relate to the idea of ten million dollars of gold found on my property that's been there for years. I didn't know about it, and it's like, oh, yeah. I kind of <laughs> want to go dig in my backyard, but I'm afraid of like all the dead rabbits I'll find from my dogs. <laughs> um, so one of the things along that that line of the the unexpectedness is that it, and again, I, I'm trying to stay away from the minutia, but this is just such an enticing idea that the kingdom of God is just hidden in plain sight. Yeah, that is Which true. Which I think yep. I had not thought about until you started talking about this unexpectedness. Mm -hmm. um, so this is a brand new thought to me. It's just this 
hidden in plain sight idea. And I have mixed feelings about that because part of me is like, oh, that makes total sense. Jesus came from, you know, Nazareth. And there's that quote, did anything good ever come from there? Like Mm -hmm. he didn't, he didn't show up in modern day Manhattan. He didn't show up in Paris or London or Dubai. You know, he did not show up in this Mecca of, you know, power and esteem and culture. He showed up in a relatively uneventful time in history in a relatively uneventful place. And he shows up and out of that place and time comes this movement that has literally and figuratively and actually changed everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this idea of being buried in a field and, and being discovered is a couple of things. You have to be looking, you have to be aware, you have to be curious because you don't find a hidden treasure by accident, no. right? Your folks, they found a can, which led them to more, can. more cans, yeah. right? But here it's this guy, for whatever reason, was rooting around in the dirt in some random field. Like he was curious. He was looking for something. And based on my experience with scripture, if you are curious and you were looking for the truth, that is when God tends to show up. Mm-hmm. He does not come knock your front door down. He may knock, but more often than not, when God intervenes, in people's life, it is because they have taken the steps of being curious and of seeking him or the truth or something outside of themselves. And in that seeking and in that digging, they meet God and everything changes. Right. Um, so I, th- I personally, I think that this, this idea of hidden treasure is, is God's got the goods. He's got them. They're just out of sight. Mm-hmm. And he wants to see how you are going to react to the skies, the stars, the great coral reef, the galaxies, the bottom of the ocean, the backside of the moon. Are we going to live on Mars? All of these crazy things that, if you think about, just kind of hurt your head. Are you just going to be like, ah, eh, chance, or ah, eh, I don't care, or I'm too focused on what's in front of me? Or are you going to go, wait a minute? This is insane. There has to be, not there has to be, I, I think there might be an explanation. And that explanation might be that God doesn't exist. It might be that God does exist, or it might be that God might exist. But I'm interested enough to pursue those things to figure out which answer is correct. And mm-hmm. that is when I think God's like, huh, guess what, buried treasure, boom, like come find me. But there's that initial... um desire to figure out what's going on. Why am I here? All of the life's big, big questions. And I just, it it strikes me that this is a very God thing to do. Like, here's the answer to everything under two inches of dirt. Mm -hmm. Be, be man or woman enough to get through two inches of dirt. And then I will show you everything. Get a little bit dirty. Yeah. I, you know, and I'll, I guess the other thing I, I was thinking of as you were talking about this of just, um, there there might be a, a an element of of being brought to a place of brokenness and and calling out to him, 
And so th- it may not be, yeah. it may, it may not be searching. It may be more of a, uh, kind of coming from a place of why, you know, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to my family? Why is, you know, just sort of, there's got to be more. And it is that element of, he's going to show up with greater treasure than we could ever have imagined. Uh, if in that brokenness, you know, it, it, it really does. It gets rid of all that other crud that we seem to allow in our lives that, that the dirt, the two inches of yeah. dirt. That- well, and, and, and then all of a sudden that two inches of dirt, which beforehand seemed like a mountain yeah. when you realize what's underneath it, yeah. it, you don't even, and, and I, that sounds a bit patronizing and, and it seems a bit like I'm making people's struggles, not a big deal. Cause they are. And, and I had this conversation with my mom when I, when I got offered the job was, I feel terrible that I'm complaining that I've been gainfully employed for two years. Mm-hmm. Like that sounds like such a stupid thing to do. I've been able to pay all of my bills. I was able to keep my house. We were able to get our savings back to where it was. Like we were able to do all of these things. And here I am complaining that I don't like my job. Right. And my mom who has gone through more than I ever have. Um, for those of you who don't know, my mom has MS um, it's very, very aggressive. She's been in a wheelchair for over six years. It's not going well. Um, for her to tell me it's not a competition, you you do not have to weigh your struggles against other people's. You have been through an ordeal. It has caused strain on your marriage. It has caused stress on you and your wife. It has caused you to rely on God in new ways. That is okay. Just because you don't have your leg didn't get blown off in the war or you don't have some terminal disease does not mean that your struggle and your pain isn't real. It's mm-hmm. not a competition. God has chosen at this time to use this in your life as a trial. Mm-hmm. And in the grand scheme of things, is that trial easier than someone whose parents get murdered or goes through something tragic? Well, sure, but it's not a competition, right? It's this is how God has acted in our life recently. And I can tell you this job that I've been offered is not buried treasure, right? But it is a glimpse into the way that God works that is going, okay, the, the last two years of dirt has been worth it because now I know what it's like to have the burden lifted of, oh my gosh, I'm gonna like work again. Because I spend more time at work than I do with my wife and my friends. Everyone yeah. does. That's the nature of work, yeah. right? It takes up a gigantic portion of your life. And if God can, in such a swift way, change my perspective on that, then, then that two years of struggle seems like two inches of dirt. Because, again, he's shown me the truth of what it's like when he is in charge. And I realized through my thick head, I don't have to bang my head against the wall. Right. Even though somehow I sickly enjoy that, right? God, he is in control. Nothing about this was because of me. And that helps me gain some perspective that, that there really is value and truth and joy and peace with God. I just need to get out of my own way. Because mm-hmm. I'm so I'm so focused on the dirt and the mess and how am I going to fix this when all I should 
be focused on is what is the end goal? The end goal is to love God and enjoy him forever, right? And you can do that and still be messy. And God understands that. Yes. I really hope that just made sense (laughs) because I don't really know where I am right now. Yeah, I think it made sense. Um, But then, you know, I think the other thing that this parable points to is that you know, people, it, it, like I said, if, if you found um, a treasure, $10 million in gold, you would do whatever you could do to get that. I mean, you're going you're gonna to make it. <laughs> you're going to yes. make it happen. And yet the kingdom of heaven is infinitely greater than $10 million worth of gold. So logically, we would do everything and anything we could to uh, receive the kingdom of heaven. Obviously, we've talked much about this and that it is a, it's, it's by God's grace that we are saved. We can't earn that. But the reality is, is we, we should be acting like somebody that has found that hidden treasure. We should be doing everything we can uh, to, to get it, to, to obtain the kingdom of heaven. And I think that's, you know, I don't know, we're getting kind of close to probably being done for the night. And that's a whole discussion in itself of, um, you know, what, what are we making an effort for if grace is, you know, we can't earn the grace and we can't earn the salvation. So if we're making every effort to obtain that, um, what is it that we're really doing? What is that? What is, how does that play out from the parable? Well, I guess my, my initial quick response to that is that God expects or wants the effort to be made. The effort in and of itself does not attain the goal, mm-hmm. but I think that the effort and the desire shows God that you actually mean business. It's like this whole concept of put your money where your mouth is. It's easy to say stuff. Right. It's totally different to do stuff. Yes. And it's one thing to say, oh, I'm going to go out and take my my metal finder and scan the beach every day until I find something. It's another thing to keep doing it every day and not find anything because you never know when you're going to find something, Mm -hmm. whether it's those people that discovered $10 million, this guy who found the kingdom of heaven, or or me who found a job. you just don't know. And, and I think one of the, one of the simple things that God calls us to, that's, it's simple to understand, but it's difficult to carry out is just consistently trying to find him Mm -hmm. wherever that may be. And it can get frustrating. It can get, uh, downright boring, but, this idea of a consistent search for God and for his truth and for the Holy Spirit and for the life that, that he has given us. Um, and again, I say all this, and theoretically it's, sure, no problem, but am am I willing, are we willing as as, as followers of Christ to to give ourselves to that endeavor, knowing that it may never earn us 
not may never, it will never, it will never earn us anything, but that in our effort, God may choose to reward us. Mm. Yep. You know, it's, and so it's taking joy in the process and not the result. If, if I can sum it up that way. Yeah. And I think too, we talked about this earlier on that the kingdom of heaven is here now. It's not something that we just experience once we're dead and, well, and that's that's the the premise upon which searching for it is founded. Mm-hmm. Like we're not searching for it because it's some far off, never to be attained thing. No, like it is here. Mm-hmm. It is hidden in fields. Right? We have to go find it. Uh, it's like the ultimate Easter egg hunt, except there's not the confusion of why bunnies lay eggs. That doesn't make any sense. But with this, of course, God would hide in plain sight truth and joy that's just how he operates right if you look at the universe and the world that we live in how many how many times has serendipity and serious heavy air quotes happen we're like oh what a coincidence it's not a coincidence god planned it to happen that way the things that we discover by accident or the people that we meet by accident or when we take the less traveled road and we discover this great place by accident it's not accident god Mm -hmm. places that sort of stuff in our lives i think as direct reminders of guess what you don't have it all figured out i do let me help you yep and it the other thing is is it may not be going the direction we necessarily think it's going you know he may have another another purpose for that and sometimes it it could just be simply uh taking a step of faith and um, doing something that we think that God is calling us to do, and nothing may come of it, and that was simply it. it was just that that step of faith, or it could be something that um, very much leads to something. So you just never know. God's bigger than us. Yeah, he's definitely <laughs> in the big and tall category. All right. Well, I think that brings us to the end of episode 51. David, thank you for your thoughts as always. No, thank you. You're welcome. Listeners, (laughs) most of all, thank you. We appreciate it. We sure do. Be sure to get in touch at MasterclassFM on Twitter or MasterclassFM at gmail.com with your thoughts and suggestions and all of that lovely stuff. Be good. Goodbye. Bye.